Thank you, Joanne, and lots to look forward to over the coming two days. Next, I'm very happy to introduce Dr. Terry Hartle Sr. Terry has a most impressive resume and a wealth of experience as the Senior Vice President for Government and Public Affairs at the American Council on Education, and many impressive posts before that. He has come all the way to share his knowledge and understanding of the international challenges facing the education system. Terry leads the higher education community's efforts to engage federal, legislative and executive branch policymakers on issues including student aid, government reg regulation and tax policy. Over to you, Terry. Thank you very much uh, for that nice introduction. Uh, thank you very much for inviting me uh, to be here with you, Joanne. Thank you for setting the stage for the discussions you're going to be having over the next couple of days. Uh, everywhere across the globe, as the number of people enrolled in higher education increases, policymakers and the public increasingly want to know what are the outcomes, what are the results, what are we getting for our money. And so what you are doing here, I think, is vitally important uh, in a global dialogue that we are engaged in, whether we want to be or not, about the outcomes of a post-secondary education. Um, in talking about <clears throat> American higher education, some of the challenges we face and how they uh, relate to the rest of the world. One of the uh, particular challenges uh, I face is that the size of American higher education is so enormous uh, that it tends to dwarf uh, most other countries uh, around uh, the, the globe, uh, particularly when we're talking about a country with a small population like Ireland. We're dealing with vast differences in scale. So just about everything I could say about American higher education would be true to some extent somewhere. Um, but I thought I'd start just by giving you some idea of the differences in scale uh, that we're talking about between uh, the US and the UK. Uh, Ireland has about 250,000 students enrolled in higher education. The United States has 19 million. Um, there are about 23 colleges and universities uh, in Ireland. The US has about 4,000. In fact, we have about 6,500 if we count non-traditional educational providers like for-profit schools. And as many of you will know, for-profit schools have been an area of great controversy uh, in American higher education education in the last few years. The faculty and staff, uh, Ireland, I understand, has about 28,000 faculty and staff. Uh, the U.S. has three and a half million. Uh, another place where we have quite a difference is Ireland has one quality assurance organization. The United States has 114. Um, it's probably a lot easier dealing with one than it is dealing with 114. Again, to put this in context, um, this is uh, obviously a map of the states. Um, you can see Utah uh, there uh, on the, um, I guess that's your left. Um, Utah has about 27 schools, the same number as Ireland. You see a little New Hampshire up there in the uh, New England area. Uh, they have uh, roughly the same number of students, about 250,000 as you have in Ireland. Um, if you're not familiar with these states, uh, don't, uh, don't let it bother you. I have to say most of my fellow Americans could not identify either state on an unmarked map. 
Um, so uh, the fact that these are not the best known American states um, is something that's the, the case in America as well. But as my colleagues and I at ACE, ACE and I talked about uh, the, my remarks and what I would say, we started by thinking about the major challenges that we're facing in the United States, what policymakers are concerned about, what the media is focused on. Uh, and what we discovered is that a lot of the issues that are top of mind to uh, people in higher education in America um, are showing up in similar or slightly different forms in many countries uh, across the globe. Uh, one of the issues we're dealing with in the United States is the affordability of higher education, uh, the high cost of higher education. Uh, in America, um, we very much uh, want uh, the benefits of having world-class higher education to everybody, available to everybody. It's just that nobody particularly wants to pay for it. Um, so what we're looking at in many colleges and universities are high prices. Um, student debt is an issue of great importance. The president has said he's going to cancel uh, some student debt across the board, as much as $20,000. Uh, this will affect tens of millions of people, potentially, assuming the courts let it go through. At the same time, we have the high price, the large student debts. Uh, many students, after leaving post-secondary education, find they have relatively low earnings and have difficulty paying back the debt. You know, the debt level itself isn't the problem. It's the debt burden, the problem of paying off the loans that really uh, is a problem for most students. Um, these problems show up across the globe. In the United Kingdom, even though it's a three-year degree versus a four-year degree in the United States, uh, students in the UK borrow much more on average than students in the United States. Um, and about 50% uh, of students in the UK, according uh, to the Treasury, uh, will have difficulty or may not pay off their student loans even uh, under the income contingent scheme. Uh, in other parts of the world, we're seeing related costs of post-secondary education create enormous problems uh, for uh, students. Uh, high cost of housing is an issue. Certainly, it's one that is a very big deal uh, in Ireland. Um, in uh, Germany, we're seeing the high cost of housing as well as increasing energy costs create great problems for students. By some estimates, 60% uh, of uh, German students in higher education are living below uh, the, uh, the poverty line. Um, in the UK, um, uh, uh, there's an unprecedented demand for uh, housing provided by the universities as a result of enrollment surging since the end of the pandemic. Uh, some students in Manchester, for example, are actually living in Liverpool more than an hour away by train um, to get an education. Um, so it's this rising energy costs, the return to school after the pandemic, and the underlying financial dynamics that create affordability problems across the globe. Another issue that so many of us seem to be wrestling with deals with the enrollment of low-income students um, and uh, non-traditional uh, populations. In the U.S., this is largely a question of race. Um, enrollment in the United States is highly correlated with income and race. If you are well-to-do in white, you are very likely to go to higher education, overwhelmingly likely. If you are low-income and African-American or Hispanic, 
Um, that is absolutely the opposite case. Uh, in the U.S., the Supreme Court, uh, in another couple of weeks, will hear a case uh, to decide whether or not colleges and universities can consider race in making admissions decisions for colleges and universities. This is uh, a very emotionally fraught, uh, contentious issue. It has been since it uh, first burst on the scene uh, in the mid-1970s. This is the fifth Supreme Court uh, in the last 50 years, fifth Supreme Court case in the last 50 years to deal with this thorny issue. Um, in the UK, we see uh, extensive reports now of problems with racial harassment on campus, um, and the UK is very concerned about uh, degree gaps by race. Um, in Canada and Australia, indigenous populations are severely underrepresented in post-secondary institutions, and generations of efforts to try and redress this have really not made much of a dent in the overall problem. Third issue that we seem to be seeing across the globe are what we in the U.S. call uh, divisive issues. Um, some people call it academic freedom. Some people call it uh, free speech. Uh, in the United States, this has become, uh, in our highly politicized environment, a multifaceted hot-button issue. Uh, it involves a variety of things like um, uh, the lack, the alleged lack of conservatives on college faculties. Uh, the alleged uh, absence of conservative speakers and attacks on conservative speakers when they do come to campus. Um, it involves charges that students uh, are being coddled, uh, that they're sheltered from things that uh, uh, anger them or upset them, uh, and this, in a result, uh, has a, the effect of uh, prohibiting and banning conservative ideas from being discussed. Um, it also means in the United States a concern that foreign students are increasingly being monitored by the government. Uh, as international tensions involving China and uh, Russia have increased, there are increasing charges that foreign students uh, might be being watched by the U.S. or they might be being watched by their own fellow students um, with reports of their actions uh, being uh, sent back to the home country. So this is a huge issue in the United States. Uh, we're seeing this um, in Australia, Canada, and Germany, uh, huge problems with free speech, as well as challenges related to research security, concerns that some of the country's most important scientific and technological research is being shared with people who may not uh, wish the countries well. Um, so we're seeing an effort to, to deal with that. The UK has legislation in front of Parliament right now that would mandate more free speech uh, protections for students on campus and at the same time would dramatically increase requirements for the universities to provide more information to the government about research projects funded by foreign citizens, by foreign governments, and foreign uh, corporations. A fourth issue, uh, as I mentioned, accountability and uh, transparency. Uh, in the U.S., uh, whether we in higher education like it or not, and we do not like it, um, quality has uh, become uh, defined pretty much exclusively as post-college earnings. Uh, nobody in higher education would say that that's the only reason you go to college, um, but to many people, particularly given the high prices, the amount of student debt, the key consideration, if not the sole consideration, is how much money 
do you earn after you leave school? At the present time, the federal government in the United States has enough data to calculate earnings for every major field of study at every college and university in the country. So if you're a school with 47 different major fields of study, the U.S. Department of Education can calculate 47 different earnings levels um, for your students. Um, we used to, in the United States, look at graduation rates. We used to look at default rates on student loans because of the pandemic. Both of those numbers are going to be relatively useless for several years to come. So by default in the U.S., uh, the only thing we have at this point are earnings. Um, we're seeing this again across the globe. Canada, US, UK, Germany, Australia are all reporting more increased efforts to mandate more disclosure. Uh, in Slovakia, business groups are criticizing the universities because they say that students aren't being prepared to enter the workforce and that this is going to be a terrible drain on them um, and it will prevent Slovakia's uh, from economy from growing the way it should. Accountability has a slightly different meaning in Romania. Uh, several uh, members of the Romanian government have been accused of plagiarizing uh, their collegiate work. And so the government of Romania is about to put a three-year statute of limitations on plagiarism charges um, to prevent people from having to deal with those things uh, down the road. Obviously, this is a matter of shooting the messenger, um, but that's where uh, we seem to be going in some countries. But this question about what the outcome is, what's the quality, what's the result, is absolutely critical in every country in the world that we talk to. Now, let me share with you uh, my, my takeaways here and, and things that I hope you'll keep in mind as you go through your discussion. Um, higher education systems differ enormously across the globe. It's very challenging to sort of compare one system to another system, even accounting for the differences in size and scale. But a lot of the issues that we're dealing with in our own countries are issues that are affecting institutions in other countries as well. And we could probably profit uh, from having discussions with other countries about how we are responding to these issues, how we're addressing them, uh, what options we see for trying to address the legitimate concerns that are being raised. Um, there are, however, relatively few forums for intensive and extensive discussion of uh, these issues. Um, in higher education, we do not have a United Nations for higher education. Uh, we don't really have a G20 for higher education that provides a forum for discussion of these things. There are a couple of things. Um, just recently, the G7 uh, agreed to develop shared principles related to international partnerships and research. Um, the European Union Association, something you are all very, very familiar with, uh, obviously plays an important role focused particularly on the European Union. Um, a, st a strategic dialogue working group was recently created uh, involving the US, Germany, Canada, the UK, Australia, and New Zealand. 
uh, to talk about issues uh, related to research security and international student uh, exchanges. Um, but these are sort of ad hoc, They, uh, with the exception of the European Union. Um, these are sort of ad hoc. We don't really have forums where we sit down and talk about um, how we're trying to wrestle with these challenges and what we can learn uh, from each other. And I think it would behoove us uh, in the years ahead to think about trying to create mechanisms uh, to share challenges, opportunities, and ideas. And I think that what uh, you're doing here uh, today and tomorrow at this conference is addressing a very critical issue in higher education across the globe. Uh, and I'm so glad we have international attendees at this meeting. I just wish there were more of them. And I hope we can have more such forums uh, in the years ahead. Uh, thanks very much for inviting me to join you.